families and as a church. Uh, and one of the names that we're going to be looking at this week is Jesus has claimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And today I want to take a deep dive into that name, into that statement that Jesus makes. Uh, it's one of, uh, in John's Gospel, there are seven significant claims that Jesus makes about himself, uh, where he says, I am, and then he tells us something about who he is, his identity and how we should understand him and his, his role as Messiah and Savior, as Son of God, and the one who is living among us as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and as we look at these statements, we see much about who Jesus is and how Jesus understands his own ministry. Uh, those seven statements where Jesus says, I am, include, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. These seven statements tell us that Jesus really understands that he's not just another rabbi, that he's not just a leader and an influencer, that he's not just someone who's trying to, to bring a new system of thought into the world that gives a new way of living. Jesus understands that he is all of these things in a way that is completely unique to any other human that has ever lived, that he is the, the source of life as the bread of life, that he is the gate that allows the sheep to come into the pasture where they can be with him, the good shepherd. Jesus knows that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's that statement that we're going to really be looking at today, and it's found in John chapter 14. The statement has become in many ways in the last couple hundred years, one of the most scandalous claims of Jesus and one of the most controversial claims of the Christian church in the world today. That Jesus is exclusive. That Jesus is the one path that gets you to God as the destination. That, that the other ways that people claim are good ways to live, are good religions to believe in, that, that they're followers of other uh, doctrines and creeds and other things that are out there in the world. If you follow another religion, you can't get to God. In the world we live in today where there's so many different versions of truth and we're supposed to treat them all as if they are equal, this is pretty controversial. It's uncomfortable to stand up in a room and to say, if you don't believe what I believe, then you are wrong and I am right. It makes us very uncomfortable. But Jesus doesn't hesitate to make that claim about himself. And if we're going to be his followers, we need to understand what it is that he's claiming. And we need to be willing to stand up and claim it also. You know, the thing that makes this very clear to me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that it's only through him that we come to God, and, and that other religions don't work, uh, happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the hours before Jesus' uh, arrest and his trial, his crucifixion, he's in the garden and he's praying, and he's got Peter, James, and John with him, and, and he's asking them to stay with him, and they keep falling asleep. But Jesus is praying in anguish. And as he's praying with just absolute tear-filled anguish to his father, 
Father, if there is any other way to do this, if there is any other way that people could be saved, if there is any other way to bring life to the world, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to have to be arrested and betrayed and crucified if there's another way. God the Father who loves His Son and who sees His Son in absolute anguish. If there was another way to get to the Father, don't you think God should have told Jesus that night what it was? If what God could have told Jesus is, is Jesus' Son, my only begotten Son, I love you so much, I need you to know that there is another way. You don't have to die on the cross to save the world from its sin and its rebellion. All you have to do is to come up with a great way of living better and just put it in a way that you can give to people in a book and say, this is the way of Jesus. If you live according to this, it's good enough. It's not a philosophy that God could say, Jesus, if you can just develop a philosophy and way of thinking and living and just write it down and give it to people, that will be enough. If they can live according to such a teaching and such a way of thought. So many other religions of the world are good. They're good. Their adherents are moral people who strive for moral excellence. But only Jesus, as Jesus knew that night when he prayed to his father, if there's another way to save the world, let's do it the other way. And the father said, it's got to be this way. And as Jesus said, then not my will, but yours be done. He then begins the path towards the cross and the path towards the resurrection because Jesus knew that only through that set of events could you and I be saved today. And so when people come up to us today and say, do you actually believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God? And you're tempted to, to with fear and anxiety at the, at the risk of seeming exclusive and arrogant and judgmental, what you need to know is that your fear of being exclusive is nothing compared to the fear that Jesus had about the anguish he was about to go through. And so as his followers today, we need to be willing to be uncomfortable to claim what Jesus lived through is the only way to get to God. Because when we deny that it's the only way, we're saying something pretty uncomfortable about the Father's lack of response to Jesus when Jesus said, is there another way? If God knew there was another way to get to him and he withheld that information from his son, I'm not interested in worshiping that kind of a father. But the father was willing to let the son go through what he went through so that we might have access to this way, this way to be saved, this way to come back into a relationship with God, this way, this truth to get to life. We need to find even a hint of the kind of courage that Jesus had to die on the cross and be willing to proclaim that he's the only and exclusive way to the Father because his sacrifice deserves at least that much. You know, but just the words that Jesus is using when he's making this claim are significant. It's not just a statement of saying, I'm the only way to get there. The word way is very significant for Israel. 
When Israel was in exile, when Babylon had overtaken Jerusalem, taken many of the leaders and the the main influential people and and those of great influence within Israel, and they take them into Babylonian captivity. The people of Israel cried out to God over and over again, why must we be going through this? We don't want to be experiencing this. The prophet Isaiah writes much to the people that are in captivity in Babylon during this time. And often, one of the images he uses to tell the people that God's not going to leave them where they are in suffering and in captivity. God's not going to abandon them and forsaken them. God will provide a way. God will provide a way, a highway, a path, a road, a way that will bring them from the place of suffering that they are currently in to the place of being back where they want to be. And for us who are in a year that has often felt like we've cried out for a way out of this place and into a place of greater prosperity and, and, and less anxiety and stress and threat to our, our families and our way of life, don't you love having a God who promises that he'll make a way? A way will be made. And so in Isaiah chapter 35, uh, the prophet writes, about coming back from exile. He says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. God tells those who wish they were somewhere else, I will make a way. And it's remarkable that when he talks about this is going to happen in Israel's time as they head back towards Jerusalem, there are so many things that these prophecies have that echo into the days of Jesus. That the blind receive sight, the lame will leap up, the mute will speak. All of these things are things that Jesus did that tell the people in Jesus' time, remember how God made a way for us to come back from Babylon to Jerusalem? Well, guess what? God's in the business of making a way again. This time the way will not be made from a geographic location to another place on a map. The way will be made from being separated from God to be reunited with God. That God's in the business of creating a path that the redeemed people can walk on to get where they desire to be. And in this case, Jesus provides a way for us to get back to the Father. This idea of the way in Isaiah comes up again in in the much more famous and well-known passage in Isaiah 40, where Isaiah writes, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. 
a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. God says, listen, when I come to you and you're brought back to me, it's not going to be a hard journey. It's going to be a highway. The valleys will be lifted up. The mountains will be raised down, uh, will be lowered down. Uh, so that you can easily go from where you are to where God is, and God can come from where He is to where you are. This passage is used by the Gospel writers to talk about the voice of one in the wilderness crying, prepare a way for the Lord, is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who would go out by the Jordan River and preach a message of repentance to the people, saying, listen, if you can get your life right, the kingdom of God is at hand, it is coming, it is near. He was proclaiming that a way is being made where God's going to get closer to us and we're going to get closer to God. The way is about to be apparent. You're about to be able to get on the road that's going to be an easy road to get where God wants you to be. Jesus then says, I am the way. I am the path. I am the highway. I am the road that you have to get on if you want God to get close to you and you to get close to God. You can't get there if you're not in the way. And this becomes significant, uh, not just because it's a claim of Jesus, but the earliest Christians, before they even took on the name Christian. Before they began calling themselves uh, Church of Christ or in, in other kinds of names that they frequently thought about uh, how to describe themselves, the most frequent name that appears to come up is that they were members of the way. They were the way. And so you see passages in Acts chapter 9 that says, Meanwhile, Saul, this is before he came to know Jesus on the road, uh, and was still known as Saul. Later he would become Paul. But meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So if he were to come across one of the followers of Jesus in Damascus, he would come to them and he would ask them, are you members and followers of the way? Are you those who, who believe that this Jesus who was crucified, that he actually got out of the grave? Because if you are, that means that you're part of the way. And if you're part of the way, I've got letters from the high priest that say, I can take you to, in, to be in jail in Jerusalem. So the charge that would have been leveled against them is that they would have been those who belonged to the way, the way of Jesus. In Acts 19, it comes up again. But some of them were obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. At this point, Paul has gone from persecutor to persecuted. And there are some who are saying all kinds of terrible things about him and the other members of the way. A few verses later in verse 22 and 23, it says, About that time there was a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. 
It's very clear that when Jesus makes this claim, it makes an impact on the earliest Christians who saw that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, and they believe the prophecies of Isaiah that when God sends his people away, there's going to be a time that he provides a way back. God does this in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the path. I am the road. Wherever you are, if you want to get back to God, you do it by traveling the way of me, the way of Jesus. The earliest disciples identified their movement in that way, in that word. I've now said the word way so many times it's lost meaning in my head. But that's the significance of it, is that this path is about how Jesus gets connected uh, to God and how through Jesus we now become connected to God as well. But it's not just this road that matters. It's not just that that we live according to the plan that Jesus lays out in front of us, so that if we live according to that, that path, that road, that plan, that we're able to get back to God. It is also that Jesus is truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus says, I am the truth, it's a big deal. And it's a significant deal to John especially. You know, if you actually add up the total amount of of writing that John has, including uh, the later epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, if you include Revelation as one of his his writings, uh, John, the author uh, of these books, has written approximately 6% of the Bible. So if you take the whole Bible, 6% of this is written by John. And John writes that small amount of Scripture, and yet even with that small amount of Scripture, if you count up the number of times the word truth shows up in all of the Bible, 30% of them are in John's writings. He talks about it more than anybody else. He's very, very concerned with the truth. And we live in a world today where truth is incredibly relative. You know, this year you've experienced in some form or another something that you know to be absolutely true. And there is someone that you love, care about, and respect who believes that it is absolutely false. Whether it has to do with the pandemic or whether it has to do with politics or whether it has to do with religion or all the different things that have been going on in our country this year, uh, social justice, race, equality, uh, sorting out how to become a better country together, all of these things, there are so many of us who can say, well, let me tell you this, I know that this one thing is true. It's very hard to find one thing that in the midst of this year we all agree on is true. And not only all of us agreeing, There are people that we know well, that we respect how they think and develop their own beliefs, and that they'll say, "Uh, listen, you may believe that that is completely true, but I believe that the opposite is the one true thing. And it's been a challenge this year for us to figure out how to get along with and love people that are claiming all kinds of different things to be true. And I don't mean to get in the middle of any of that right now. But what I do want to say is in a world where truth is incredibly debatable and remains constantly uh, in contention that Jesus is not interested in being debated. That Jesus, the Son of God, is the only way to get to the Father and He is the only truth that we need to know how to get there. It's not debatable. It's not contestable. It's not up in the air. It's It's certainly controversial, but not because there's other alternatives. Truth belongs 
to Jesus. John tells us that it's not just a character trait of Jesus that he's honest. It is in his very essence as being from the Father that he is filled and and just completely permeated all the way through with truth. And it's not just Jesus. John, throughout the book, makes several things very clear. In John chapter 1 and 14, it says, "...the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth." As Jesus comes into the world, full of grace and truth, we know from John's Gospel that the source of that grace and truth is rooted in God the Father. Truth comes from God. And then it's then given, as we read in the main passage that we have today, verse four, chapter 14, verse 6, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, that the truth is in the Son. We know that the truth is in the Spirit when John writes that when the Advocate, which is a name he gives to the Holy Spirit, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father He will testify about me. Jesus says when the Spirit is coming, and in in John's Gospel, He's often called the Spirit of truth. When the Spirit shows up and is coming from the Father, the Spirit of truth will testify about who Jesus is, and you can trust that testimony because it's from the Spirit who is also truth. Truth is found in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But not only there, we also can take comfort and confidence knowing a couple chapters later in John 17, he writes that they are not of the world, even as I am not of it, talking about his followers. And Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying to God and he's saying, God, as these followers of mine go into the world and the world's going to be rejecting them, the world's going to be persecuting them, there's going to be all these different challenges that they face in their lives. Let them know that they are sanctified by the truth and that, God, your word is truth. It's one of the incredible blessings that we have is not only is the Father, Son, and Spirit completely embodied with truth, but God's word is truth. And then he also tells us that those who live accordingly have truth in them. So then in John 3, 21, he says, Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We know that we have the truth in us if we live according to the way that Jesus calls us to live. If we live according to Jesus' truth, the truth is now in us. Truth matters. Jesus is not relative. He is relevant. He is constant. He's not a variable. He is not unchanging. Jesus is completely true for all time and all eternity. We need to, as Christians, be willing to stand on the truth of the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Word, and know that if we live accordingly, that that truth becomes part of us and how we live. That becomes part of the way that God's truth continues to be breathed into the world today. Not only does God give us the way to live and the truth to live according to, 
God tells us that Jesus is the life. And life is another word that's a big deal for John. The word life comes up more times in the writing, in the book of John, uh, the Gospel of John, than in any other book of the Bible. Uh, Again, the idea that God is bringing life into the creation in a new and powerful way. So that Genesis 1 talks about how God created. John chapter 1 talks about how in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and all things were created through Him. That that God is doing a new thing in Jesus, but it is also an old thing. Creation began the world, now creation begins the kingdom that God is bringing into the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. And as that new creation begins, we again see that life is exploding into the world. In Genesis, it happened in in animals and humans and God breathing his breath into Adam's nostrils so that he might have life. And in John's gospel, Jesus is the life and is bringing life over and over and over again. It just keeps coming up. And so in John chapter 5, Jesus is, is talking and he says, listen, as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Don't be amazed by this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus says, listen, the father has sent life and I bring life. But don't think that it's just everybody everywhere. There is a right way and a wrong way to do this. And at the end of time, Jesus says, I will bring life to every single person. But as all of them rise up from the grave, they don't rise all to live. Some rise to be condemned. All will give, be given life at the end, but not all will be given eternal blessings. Some who have not lived according to the way, who have denied the truth, will be raised up so that they might receive the condemnation that they have chosen for themselves. And yet, John 6 comes right after those words. And John 6 brings over and over again this repetition that Jesus is the bread of life and that Jesus is the source of life. And everyone who who believes and follows Jesus will receive life and life and life. And the word life shows up almost a dozen times in this teaching that Jesus is giving about how if you will just use Him as your source of bread and nutrients and everything that you need, not eating Jesus but consuming Him in a way that He is more important to what gives you energy and sustains you than even food. And so Jesus says, and we won't go through the whole chapter, it's it's fairly long, but if you've got time this week, get into John 6 and just realize how much that Jesus wants you to depend on Him, and if you're willing to do that, how much He's willing to bless you and fill you with life in, in an abundant way. Verse 32, he says to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. For it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. A little bit farther down in verse 40, he says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and will raise them up at the last day. And in verse 47, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I'll give it for the life of the world. Jesus tells us the Father was full of life and He bestowed in me, the Son, all of this life. And then He sends me to you so that I might give my life up so that if you'll believe me, and He uses this imagery of bread, especially with the the bread from heaven, the manna in the wilderness that fed Israel when they were wandering and had nothing else to get them through it. Jesus says, listen, I'm even better than that. Those people ate that manna and eventually died. But if you will eat me, if you'll let me be your source of life, if you will let me be the way that you get through every day, not depending on the things that everyone else in the world depends on and needs, if you'll depend on me instead, then you will live for eternity. This bread doesn't run out. You'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty because I am all that you need to sustain you for eternity. promise. We live in a world where we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, and somehow they hear it as a threat. They hear it as an argument. But if we are able to live in the way that Jesus is demonstrating throughout His life, then we can start to communicate to the world what Jesus made so clear, that the claim that He is the way, the truth, and the life is not a threat. It's not an argument. It is a promise, a gift, and a blessing. It's Jesus saying, listen, there wasn't a way and now there is. And other people say, well, shouldn't there be other ways? And and you just have to say, quit worrying about the other ways and just take the one that we know is true. Because the one that's true is to follow the way so that you might receive eternal life. It's a simple, simple phrase that Jesus gives us. I am the way, the truth, in the life, but it's something much, much more when you really begin to explore the depth of what he's telling his disciples then and what his word tells us today. We know that those who are righteous and redeemed are the ones who walk on the road that Jesus represents. We know that we live and follow the way and that the way is easy and it goes to God and the way allows God to come to us and without the way you can't get there. And those who do not live in the way of Jesus can't get on that road. We know that in God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and in the Word of God there is truth and it is not contestable or debatable. And if we will just root our lives in that very truth, if we will allow that to be the foundation and live according to that, then the truth is in us. And we know that when we are willing to follow 
God, that the Father gives life, that Jesus brings life, that He laid His life down so that the world might be filled with life if you'll just let Him be the source of all that you need. Provide for you in your moment of despair, your moment of hunger, your moment of thirst. If you'll know and you'll trust that God's going to provide because His Son came and brought life to a world that previously had only been shrouded in death. Church, I hope as we continue to go through the names of Jesus throughout this month that you'll continue to to explore the depths of who this man Jesus was and is and what it means for us as we continue to be his people in this and every place. I hope you continue to respond to the constant call of the gospel to believe in this man Jesus so that you might be on the way filled with truth and having eternal life. If you need to respond to this gospel, I know that you're not here with us in person this morning, but if you need to respond this week, reach out to someone, uh, one of our church leaders, someone who's a brother or sister of yours in Christ. Talk to them about what God is placing on your heart and where you believe that Jesus is calling you to go. Because wherever he's calling you to go, he'll go with you along the way. I hope you've been blessed this morning. And if you need to respond, please do so throughout this day and this week. And I hope that you're blessed as we, at this time, have an invitation song and a closing prayer. I am not skilled to understand, I am not skilled to understand what God has will.